Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Greetings, comrades. It's a hot summer day for us here, and welcome to another episode of The Eastern Border. This time, due to popular requests, I shall be discussing the recent political events, because, well, just a little thing as a Trump and Putin meeting happened. But that's not the only thing that actually, you know, made news over here in these parts that people should care about. I read the Western media response to Trump meeting, and it's kind of fair... But over here, at least, well, uh, and over here, I mean Russian opposition media and Russian ma- Russian mainstream media is, you know, you might as well listen to an empty tape just pointing out white noise. They'll praise Putin for everything. But uh, the uh, analytical elements here suggested that, hey, Putin actually might also have made a lot of mistakes during this whole meeting. And, you know, if you're an American, you already know that Trump, Trump basically... Um, basically decided that uh, he trusts Russia more than than he trusts his secret services, and then there was a huge backlash, and then he shifted his opinion. It was already weird. It was a strange meeting between strange people, each having their own interests, and kind of um, kind of representing two worlds, if I, if I would have to say that way. Um, you see, I'm going to be referring to Alexander Benediktov a lot in this show. He's uh, the the chief editor of Echo Moskvi radio station. And he had a lot of interesting things to say about this whole meeting. So um, I've listened to what he's been saying. And I'll try to relay what has been going on in the meeting and since the meeting and what's up now. Because... There might be a disarmament treaty coming, for one. But that's not even a good thing. At least not for the rest of us. Mr. Benediktov stated that it's very good for Russia. But, uh, yeah, that's a treaty signed by Obama presidency, I suppose. Uh, It's on strategic weapons, like medium-range missiles or something. SAN-3, if I recall correctly. I don't really remember. But, yeah. 
Putin's goals are about that. And goals and how, you know, your past influences things will be a major theme of this episode. But yeah. Uh, sorry for keeping you waiting so long. It's just that I had to compute in my head a ton of information about all of this situation. Because I listened to The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. I, I listened to, like, everything I could in YouTube. I watched the Face the Nation. I watched a bunch of American news to get their response. I watched Russian guys like Alexander Piankovsky who is a Russian living in America, who's a like an American citizen now, commenting on all this situation, because I wanted an in-depth look of all of this. And I think I got it. I think. I will not be making any rash decisions here, but um, in the following... in the following <laughs> kind of time that we have allotted, I don't know, I, I think it's going to be about an hour long. Not sure. But, uh, yeah, I will be informing you about what I think is going on with Russia. So here we go. So let's get to the brass stacks now, shall we? First of all, um, as you might have known, <laughs> I, I guess uh, I was kind of lost to know, uh, that um, President Trump is not viewed very um, nicely in the United States, at least haven't been in the past few days, and now has been like, saying that he misspoke and and uh, stating that he, you know, didn't mean what he say in all this conversation. And uh, just to recap, it was all about when he stated that there was no meddling in the U.S. elections uh, by the Russians, and the Russians offered to help with this, which is kind of crazy all on its own. But um, at least that's what I've heard from Echo Moskvi, which is a Mos Moskvi... Moscovy, I suppose, Moscow radio station, uh, directed by Mr. Benediktov himself, yeah. It's all about details, and it's all about what happened then and what will happen next. Because for one, and I will now read from a transcript of of the speech, like of all the press press release from Vox.com, there was this... Um, there is this question by Jonathan Lemire from Associated Press. <clears throat> Quote, A question for President Putin, thank you. Two questions for you, sir. Can you tell me what President Trump may have indicated to you about officially recognizing Crimea as part of Russia? And secondly, sir, do you, does the Russian government have any compromising material on President Trump or his family? And Putin responds, and a part of his response. President Trump, well, the posture of President Trump on Crimea is well known and he stands firmly by it. He continues to maintain that it was illegal to annex it. Our viewpoint is different. We held a referendum in strict compliance with the United Nations Charter International Legislation. For us, this issue, we put... Unintelligible? Do this issue. Yeah. Did you notice something? I noticed, and everyone in the Russian opposition noticed. <clears throat> we held a referendum in strict compliance with blah blah blah. We, the Russian government. It's just like with the little green men. You see, those nicks and, and, and edges where, where people can point at are still alive. And they're there in Russia. Because uh, when Putin says we, he means the Russian government. And, well, it would be kind of illegal for a government of another country to hold a referendum in a territory belonging to another government. It's like, uh, Putin just said that, well, see, he said the equivalent of, I don't know, we, uh, 
this is just an example. We, the Mexican government, held a referendum in Texas and they all wanted to join Mexico. Yeah, about, about that. That kind of clears any doubts about how honest all of this was. Of course, uh, in the official Russian channels, in the official Russian media, this was all, like, tied down. So, this is the first thing. The thing that, even though Trump might have, um, might have said some really terrible things there, um, it's all viewed a bit differently. Because, as Mr. Benediktov and Meduza.io and Lichnay Mnenia and Alexander Balu and, you know, everyone who's actually worthwhile to listen to from the Russian media says this meeting wasn't about anything global in a way at least not from American side the press conference definitely wasn't at least because uh, if you look at the lineup and that's important this is what Mr. Benediktov said right after the meeting he stated that from the Russian part there were basically ministers of defense strategic defense guys like everything just only about defense Strategic uh, stability, as they call it. SS, which is funny, but hey. They call it uh, strategic stability, which was what Putin was interested in uh, in this whole meeting. On the Trump side, however, uh, they even took like a bunch of like weird state secretaries, persons really close to Trump, and uh, as far as I know, they even took the author of the book about uh, the Russian meddling in the United States elections with, with them for this uh, meeting and for this... For this interview. So it was all about personal goals. At the end, uh, I think the whole meeting was about these personal goals. Trump went there to clarify his own personal accusations and clarify his own involvement with Russia. Putin went there to get some public PR and to make sure that he is kind of secure in the future. And the follow-up acts kind of, um, you know, kind of serves as evidence to this. And... Um, and yeah, you might criticize Trump, or or you might just think that Putin has outplayed him, but they just went in there with completely different goals. This wasn't a meeting between America and Russia, this was a meeting between Trump and Putin. And I believe that those are two very different things. Because Putin lately also has more interesting information to show the United States. But let's get down to the beginning now, shall we? First of all, there's a major difference here. Uh, when we speak about Russian meddling in elections of other countries, there has to be a clear line of deference drawn. Because one thing is they are meddling in your elections, the other thing is when they are actively colluding with one side to win these elections. Now, Trump obviously uh, is in a position where he, well, is more or less open, as we have seen from his uh, statements after the press conference where he has fixed himself, where he's ready to admit that the Russians meddled in the elections. However, he denies vehemently any uh, accusations of uh, colluding with the Russians and working together with them. Well, why is it so? Well, that should be pretty obvious, because, hey, if you work with another foreign government to win the elections, then you should be impeached. But he's not going as so far as to kind of um, kind of say they didn't meddle in it, because they obviously did. Uh, yeah, that's that's true, but I'll explain why and how. See, and this comes from Stepan Demura, which is a Russian economist, uh, another one of these opposition guys who's been fairly accurate at his predictions about Russia. See, in Russia it's always thought that Democrats are always better for Russians for Russian government, for Russian officials, Russian oligarchs, everything. 
in Russia, they view Democrats as, you know, their view, their their possibility and chance of another restart, another reboot, you know, their past since forgotten and forgiven and just the thing. They, they really wanted Hillary to win at the beginning. The problem was that unlike Mr. Obama, who really did insist on rebooting the Russian relationships and under, under whose kind of... Uh, sort of permission, I think. He didn't interfere, at least. Uh, the Crimean annexation happened, and uh, that's that's a criticism of on, on my part on Mr. Obama, but that's that's a one that um, a lot of people here in these parts, uh, also in Ukraine, especially in Ukraine, that they levy upon uh, President Obama. But, um, yeah, so far, at least in Russian mindset, the Democrats have always been the friendlier guys to Russians. Same as here in the Baltic states, uh, at least... Uh, here the Republicans are more popular because of Reagan and his tough stance in the USSR, which led led to its collapse. So when Hillary started being like tough on Russia on the campaign trail to get more votes, I suppose, and you know just being sane person, then Trump, uh, as he did, just blasted everything completely against you know Hillary. It didn't. I, I believe that it didn't really. He didn't really think that, uh, you know, Russians are good or anything. He was just, you know, blasting the complete opposite message of whatever Hillary said. You know, if Hillary says yes, Trump says no. Simple as that. It's politicizing. It's campaign running. That's what you do, I suppose, to get, you know, votes and be different. But in Russia, at one point, they took it very seriously. That is why when Trump was elected... And they held a they held a huge party in Russia led by our good old friend Vladimir Zhirinovsky, the same guy who always wants to nuke everyone and who's just utterly completely crazy. By the way, his latest target is now he wants to nuke Germany. But you know, hey Theo, your country might be nuked by Zhirinovsky if he ever gets into power from the Liberal Democratic Party of Russia, which is again funny as usual. But um. But yeah, so they kind of stuck to uh, Trump's statements because at that point in time they chose to take him seriously. I I don't really know. Sometimes it, it baffles me because the Russian government is run by an ex-KGB agent, and as we all know, and if you don't know, then, uh, hey, I have a whole episode just dedicated to KGB and their methods of operation and a whole history of them, but you're, you just never stop being a KGB agent. And uh, I have, like, KGB instructions, another episode of mine, where I just speak about how these agents work. So Putin is a trained KGB agent. He has all these skills. He's uh, he's straight from the checkup. But Trump Trump seems to be a businessman, and uh, you might have a valuable opinion on him. And hey, I I'm not an American, so what can I say about that? Well, I think that uh, Trump Trump's sneaky in his own way, and uh, like like Maltsev, the kind of. The guy who wanted to do the revolution in Russia, like he stated that this was a meeting between two snakes uh, who didn't just let each other go. And hey, after the meeting, if you're an American, you already know that everyone bashes Trump for his statements about Russian elections. But but yeah, it all comes down to this agenda. I think that uh, on the public side, Trump went there and spoke just so he could just get this, you know, collusion effect off of his elections. I think he's soft on the meddling part, because meddling is uh, what, what Russians do. And uh, and as we can see from his like fixes, he might be concerned about it. I don't even know, really. But he wants to drop off uh, any attempts of people stating that he colluded with the Russians to get elected. 
So that is why he's like super friendly. And secondly, and this comes from uh, Piankovsky, which is great, at least from the Russian part, uh, they kind of presume Trump was really smart about this. And the, the answer why is that Russia is a country that is known to poison people, who's run by the KGB minister, and like in Russian media, the United States of America are like presented as the enemy number one constantly. Like, you might you might find it weird, because uh, in Western Europe, I suppose, there's not that much news about Russia going on. But in Russia, like, all the time, there are news about both the United States of America and how European Union is terrible and everything like that. So, in a way, uh, this was a bit crazy, because they thought Trump was their friend, then he wasn't because of the sanctions, and then he arrives in Helsinki and speaks with Putin, and is all friendly and nice. I suppose uh, they had another kind of, you know, speech prepared in the case where Trump wouldn't be nice in the kind of mainstream Russian media. Because then they just lambasted America once again and would, would call them the enemy number one. But that's what they do all the time. So it might have been a strategic weird move from Trump. But that again depends on whether or not you think that Trump is A, <clears throat> a traitor, B, stupid, or C, actually a successful sneaky businessman. Uh, I will present for myself here that I think all three options are valid. I just think it's more complicated than, hey, what what uh, what a lot of magazines in the United States have been publishing, which I've been reading lately for this episode, that Trump's just a traitor. I don't think that's the case. Because, like I said, their lineups for who went to the meeting were very different. And then, just like two days after this whole meeting... Putin sets up a huge press conference and, well, not he set up this press conference, obviously, but it came from the Ministry of Defense, where, once again, more cartoons and more shows of Russian newest military technology were set up and presented. So, that has led many uh, here to believe uh, that what Putin managed to deal with Trump in kind of the secret personal talks that they had was about renewing the kind of strategic weapon, strategic weapon deals, I suppose. You know, lessening of nuclear weapons and offensive weapons in general. The problem is, as the way Russians see it, is that Russia shows off all of their technology, of which, you know, all the experts know it's kind of outdated, uh, except some of it is, well, kind of good, because, you know, that that's where all of their pension money goes, and they just waste a lot of budget just to do things. And Russian government currently seems to be extremely worried about the fact that, hey, we have all this weaponry, we're swinging, we're this, uh, we're this crazy monkey with a hand grenade, but the Americans are just quiet, it's like they don't care. We must show them, we must make them care. Because, uh, under the impression of Russians, the uh, weapons deal about the strategic missiles of medium and small ranges and, you know, various other things that Obama signed, really just holds back America, because Russia is militarily much, much weaker. Therefore, any deterrent uh, deals just hold back America. Like, basically, they hurt America more than they hurt Russia. Which is why the Russians are now worried that some of these deals might expire. And when they'll end, then, you know, uh, all of the might of the American economy, which is much stronger than Russian economy, will come into play. Therefore, uh, Russians will not be able to keep their sphere of influence. Like, like they have been doing in the past, because, uh, again, you might have heard uh, from the latest, latest NATO summit that Georgia is joining uh, NATO lately. But that runs into some counter-arguments here, and, and this, is, this is related to the past. See, 
Uh, there is a, a point in the whole NATO thing that stipulates that you can't join NATO if you have any territorial disputes with any other country. That is why even though Latvia technically also has territorial disputes with Russia about a uh, district of Abrene, we signed that off. We signed that off in our border treaty and gave it to Russia just so we could join NATO. And it's been a way how Russia has been preventing NATO from expanding. They have taken Prednistrovie from Moldova, they have taken uh, Abkhazia and uh, South Ossetia from Georgia, and now obviously Crimea and Donbas region from Ukraine, which is how they create the buffer zone. And I don't know, some people in Abkhazia, and I know I have a listener from Abkhazia, who actually doesn't think himself a Georgian, but hey, that's your own internal struggles, I'm just stating what I, what I, what I hear there. But yeah, if you Abkhazian listener want to dispute me or, or talk to me here live about what's going on there, really, please do, and I'd be glad to have someone from the Georgian side as well, just, just so you know. But yeah, because uh, Georgia had lost these two territories in the 2008 war, means that they still kind of claim them as their own, which international society kind of approves of. So that is why, because of the stipulation that you can't have, you know, any territorial demands from other countries, that is why Georgia couldn't join NATO uh, long ago. Well, now, apparently, these things are being shifted around. And I think that's traded for Montenegro, because, again, we have this Trump statement that says, well, any new conflicts in Montenegro could cause a World War III. So it kind of looks like that uh, Putin just went off and, and... gave a military spectacle right after the meeting because he wanted, one, to prolong the kind of weapons non-proliferation deal. Uh, again, it's it's all... I, I, read, I read this all in Russian, so it's all about SS, the strategic stability from the Russian side, which was the main priority of Putin. But yeah, um, so Putin wants to keep the weapon deals in check. He wants to make sure that he needs some safety, at least in the Balkans, where he kind of wants to uh, keep his sphere of influence. Like, he might have traded Montenegro joining NATO for these changes in NATO statements and their rules that allow countries to join even though, you know, they have occupied territories. The new stipulation, by the way, that might come in effect because of all this is that um, you can join NATO if you have territorial disputes, but you can't call in the Article 5, which is uh, the main defense article, to get back those territories. So, if like, say, Georgia joins now, they can't call in the Article 5 and call the NATO to war to get back Abkhazia and Lower Ossetia. Or if Ukraine joins NATO, then they can't use NATO's help to get back Crimea or win the war in Donbass. Well, Donbass is the least of the problem, because that, that region is just dying off, and I believe that by this time next year, they have less than a year. Donbass definitely has this less than a year. Russia, Russia has more, but Donbass is, is just dying out, because the sanctions are really hitting this. And uh, this whole misconception about, about how this all went was, was weird. Because like I said, Trump wanted just to deal with his internal political issues, because he knows. And, well, presuming he's not insane or dumb, uh, I, I bet he knows that he can't change the policies of the Senate and the Congress, and as I've heard from the commentaries there, Russian sanctions and the fact that Putin must be kind of contained is the only thing that's going on in the United States Congress that they actually, you know, Democrats and Republicans both vote for. And yeah, even like Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of compared Trump to a lump pile of pasta, if I get this correctly. But I do have to state, and this comes from the words of, again, Alexander Benediktov from Echo Moskvi on one of his shows that I listened to to prepare for this show, 
was that, well, Mr. Schwarzenegger over there would look like he had pissed his pants as well. Because on personal meetings, the ex-KGB agent Putin, as crazy as he may be, as dictatorial as he may be, he has still gone through the school of Leningrad KGB. Then Mr. Benediktov commented that before anyone speaks with Putin, they should also have spent some time at the KGB and and, and should know how KGB works, because... You're a businessman, and that other man is a KGB agent. Guess who's gonna dominate the conversation? And it's it's not Trump's fault, actually. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Putin has been dominating conversations with both Merkel and Macron, and who knows what's what's happening. One one theory that's kind of projected here too, also about Ukraine later on, is that Scott Walker, who's kind of responsible for dealing with Ukraine and all this affairs there has proposed a deal through Merkel and Macron from America to Putin, which presumes that there will be peacekeepers in Ukraine, uh, but due to all of these uh, refugees there, they're going to set up, like these peacekeepers are, to set up a kind of non-NATO bloc, non-Russia, non-Ukrainian, a kind of independent international governed zone in Donbass, where they'll hold elections and and then they'll see what happens. Which obviously breaks with the Minsk conventions, but hey, this is what I've heard. Maybe this too was one of the subjects of kind of the secret part of the meeting. But yeah, it's I, I think it's all about trading. It's all about trading something off. Because Russia right now wants to provoke the United States showing their own latest military developments. And they want just to show muscle, because... Honestly, honestly, even pro-Russian sources like Sargrad TV, which I watched, they're confused because Russia shows all these weapons and all these new technologies, and at the same time on the mass media they show America as the most dangerous, crazy enemy. But their population is now asking, well, wait a second, we have all these Iskander missiles and everything, but, you know, Americans are just sitting there and smiling. So, why are they then so strong? Why are we afraid of them? That's an interesting question, which kind of Putin needs to answer right now, and he needs to answer it to his own population. Which, by the way, is busy protesting against the the, the pension reform. Well, yeah, that's coming up next. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And yeah, by the way, between the recording of the parts, I checked on what Ukrainian media is saying about all the situation, and they're calling this whole meeting the meeting of two biggest liars on planet Earth. But like I said, this is all about personal goals, because meanwhile, in Russia, and it would be funny if it uh, wouldn't be so sad, 
They increase the pension age and the NDPE, which is a value-added tax, by 2%. At the same time, uh, some rules have been published that, you know, leaked, essentially, documents, that now state that the Russian uh, governmental institutions now have a man mandated quota of um, how much they need to take in, in fines from businesses. Yeah, that, 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 that's the thing now, because it's not about whether or not businesses break things, it's about how much they take in fines. Trump meeting is, well, generally achieved nothing in this, because Putin wants some security from the outside, Trump wants more internal security for himself. That is what they spoke about, mostly, that I think, in the closed part. And the, their obvious press statements were both fulfilled with bugs and crazy stuff and nonsense, which they both have since changed and denied, because Trump has stated that he just misspoke, and Putin has fixed the fact later on that it wasn't we who made the referendum, it was the Ukrainian people of Crimea who chose to join Russia. So in general, this meeting, it doesn't really matter that much, if you, if you think about it in the long run. What matters is the economical situation of both countries. And for one, they're tied in more ways than, than you might think, because Russian government just pulled off and sold off all of their uh, kind of uh, United States uh, United States debt obligations. I think that those are the names. You know, the stuff that Federal Reserve prints out and gives on for some percentage value. And one might think, well, okay, so now they're hurting, hurting United States, but uh, they just, you know, they, they liquidized them, literally. They, they just shift them over into sheer cash and for that cash they bought gold why because you know unlike money gold is untraceable you you can have some documental documental paperwork behind it but in fact you know as bank statements and everything can be can be traced gold cannot and this has happened previously in history because you know all the great czars and leaders and i mentioned czars because recently it was the 100th anniversary of the murder of romanovs the bloody Nikki, uh, even though Nikki himself, as you've heard from my previous series, uh, was a murderer himself. Yeah, they celebrated that, which is weird in the country that now thinks Stalin is a hero, but hey, that's just a tangent. At any rate, Russia has basically uh, sold off all of their investments in United States loan, and they have liquidized them and turned them into gold, which kind of shows that some people are trying to cash in on all of their assets just, you know, so they could get out get out while the going is still possible, I suppose. Because all these oligarchs need something to do. And uh, internally, Russia is facing a major wave of protests against their pension reform. That's what happened just after the World Cup ended, after all. And in a way, like in Volgograd, and you probably haven't heard that in news, in Volgograd, there was a massive, like, rainstorm going on. And, uh, yeah, their whole stadium kind of collapsed. Like, it was flooded completely. All the, all the fake uh, planted grass went away. And now Russia will have to spend 400 million rubles per year. That's about 100 million dollars, I think. Well, approximately, because uh, ruble is, a, like, 65 rubles is a dollar now, so it's a bit less than 100 million each year to upkeep this, but they just don't have the cash, and um, as by the statements of their official leading party, Yedina Rasiya, well, people are the new, new oil. So, in more ways than one, they meant it in the way of innovations, like I've said in the previous political episodes, but it obviously comes down to just taxing them more. Taxing them more and just taking more money from them. 
So what did this whole thing do? Putin is panicking due to the weapons deals. He wants that to happen. Trump wants internal security, and I suppose he's now ready to trade Montenegro for that one. Ukraine, Ukraine's going on as previously expected. Nothing really changed for them in this conversation at all. I mean, Crimea is still Russian, but there's going to be new sanctions approved by the Congress and the Senate of the United States against Russia, and they're going to impose sanctions on, like, Germany, too, uh, at least some businesses in Germany, which concern the building of the Severny Patok 2, like the, the North Stream 2 oil pipeline, or gas pipeline, I suppose. It was gas pipeline by Gazprom. But yeah, uh, sanctions are slowly cutting off support, life support from Russia. Russian citizens are living more and more wor like worse every day. And Putin's just worried so that he could get like United States and everyone off his back for a moment. Because the sanctions are not going to go away. He just wants the president of the United States to just, you know, let him be until he can you know, liquidize his money and probably get out really fast. And yeah, I spoke in the last episode about how uh, this uh, Ramzan Kadyrov thing, uh, when he asked for a trillion trillion rubles for a new kind of uh, high speed uh, high speed road from uh, major Russian city Yekaterinburg to uh, to Grozny, yeah, that actually got approved again, which is funny by itself, because uh, now that means that Putin internally also cannot afford any losses he has to give the money to the people to whom he owes some. So, what's the giant conclusion? Well, Russia is now doing their own thing. Also, latest news just came in that they might be trying something funny in Armenia. Let's see how that develops, because it might develop in strange and quite terrible ways, actually, to be honest. But Trump, well, Trump went home and he tried to explain his actions and everyone criticized him for what he's spoken to. But I presume Trump didn't really expect this to blow up so badly. He just, you know, wanted to make sure that his internal policies are secure while he didn't agree in this transcript about Crimea and the Russian aggression everywhere. What he wanted to get off his back was this collusion aspect. Which he failed, by the way, because, you know, uh, it's and it's kind of also kind of weird because Trevor Noah, the, the kind of a Daily Show, which I watch uh, sometimes, uh, he stated that hey, Trump has been weakening NATO and and calling you know European Union uh, the main foe of America. Well, I can tell you for sure that hey, uh, I know that the Senate leader of Republicans has called us a friend, so we're we're pretty cool, I suppose, here in the EU. But um, what about the weakening of NATO and Trump's statements on that? In Russia, too, they'll get differently because uh, Trump spoke that the member nations should pay up their dues, blaming Germany first and foremost, because they truly do not spend their 2%. You know who does spend 2%? We do. Latvians, Estonians, Lithuanians, uh, some other countries, too. But I know that we here in the Baltic take our defense very seriously, so we are living up to our NATO obligations. And over here, the fact that Trump says that the member countries should spend more on on their defense budgets, just, you know, follow NATO regulations, that's not seen as something evil. That's not seen as destroying NATO. That's just, hey, poking NATO for it to be a military order. And when Trump says we should actually increase this whole thing to 4%, just, you know, so that somehow other member nations could match the input of the United States, 
Yeah, that's also not seen as destroying NATO or anything. That's just seen as, hey, well, we're paying our 2%. How come How come Germany only pays 1 point something something percent? I think Denmark also pays 2%, not sure. But, um, but yeah. So in Russia, these whole statements and, and sort of perceived attacks on NATO... Uh, about you know about their European allies and how much they pay about this, they're seen as a way of strengthening the whole thing because obviously no one's going to go up to four percent because our our government is not ready to go up to four percent at all. But it should make sure that the whole member member countries do pay up their two percent, which they really should, because here comes the main question, and this is what actually you know shockingly and surprisingly agree to Mr. Trump, because hey hey Germany. If you're buying oil and gas and supporting this uh, North Stream 2 and are paying so much money to, Ger- to Russia, then why should you? why should we protect you from Russia? Then again, there was a response to this, which basically stated that, yeah, sure, Germany buys 70% of its gas imports from Russia, but in general, of all of its energetical needs, it only imports 9%, which means that Germany provides 91% of its total energetical needs by itself which is also interesting because that just means that this country is really you know developed they have all this green stuff and green energy but um this is a kind of a sore point here i suppose this because the truth is on both sides if you imp- if you import nine if you import 70% of your gas from russia and want to import more then that kind of gives russia some some authority there but then again you import only 9% of your energetical needs but Germany has been viewed as a special case here uh, in, in Russian media, anyways, because um, there was this called uh, there was a thing called the Schröderization of the nation, because Gerhard Schröder, which was the previous chancellor of Germany, was extremely pro-Russian, and you know, as Nicolas Sarkozy is now in trouble for getting money uh, by, by the Libyan government, you know, whatever Gaddafi was, yeah. Uh, now I think Mr. Schröder should kind of also get investigated because he received a ton of Russian money in both Yeltsin times and Putin's early days. It was just crazy. So, Germany is probably the most pro-Russian country that I know of in European Union. And, you know, even though the idea of European Union task force is there by France and, again, Germany, not really sure how that works in our total global defense thing. So, in, in, in a sense, Trump is okay to, to make member countries pay more for their own defense budgets, because, you know, it's, it's just fair. Because we do, America does, and, well, those who do pay it feel like other countries should input more, because right now the, the threat is, like, more real than ever. And on the other, on the other hand, um, these accusations of being economically dependent from Russia, and, you know, that Russia can politically influence Germany... That are also kind of nonsense because you know just just look at how much of total energy spent they actually import. So it's a weird situation here, but I do believe that Germans should probably increase their defense budget a bit and you know stop flirting with uh, the Russians so much. Then again, uh, Angela Merkel and Putin does have a special connection, as when Putin was working as a KGB agent in uh, the the uh, East Germany. Well, Angela Merkel was born there in a Lutheran family, so, you know, Angela Merkel speaks fluent Russian, Putin speaks fluent German. At least, you know, listen to the episode 18, he used to. Maybe one of the Putins does. 
But um, they have phone conversations often. So what's going on between Germany and Russia, that I can't really speak about. I just know that even Merkel is facing internal opposition right now at this moment, and that um, it might not end up well for whatever pro-Putin forces are there in the German government. Of which there should be less, by the way. At the same time, Ukrainians are continuing their fight and increasing their army, and their army, like Ukrainian army, is actually one of the strongest ones in Europe at this point. Uh, by the calculations of various military experts, Ukrainian army could easily beat up like France. Because France just has, you know, left off its own defense, while Ukrainians have been actually busy fighting against, you know, foreign invaders that try to take their, their lands away and people. So Ukrainians are like, well, they're very chill. They don't trust Trump at all, but they now are, after all this criticism and everything, they're more than willing to work with the Senate and the Congress. And hey, uh, I've actually had some uh, listeners from the, from the United States stating that, hey, all this debacle about the Trump-Putin meeting and all that happened there, it might actually cause for the con- it might actually be the cause for the Congress to do something finally. And I suppose that that's that's good news in a way, because hey, if you have a non-acting parliament, then well, then, hey, well, more executive power is, well, what Putin is all about. But all this foreign balancing and everything, it's just... It's just one of those things where, where, where time is needed to properly evaluate everything that has happened, and that will happen. Because Russia's internal problems are just increasing all the time, and time is, by now, Putin's worst enemy. If you think about it, because of how the sanctions work and everything... Because again, Russian uh, Russian central bank has been doing everything to keep the rubles rates as they are, and even though the all oil prices have dropped just a bit, that again has hurt Russian budget. The ruble will collapse at one point, and then then I suppose the real trouble will start for Russia. So yeah, what conclusions can be drawn from all of this situation? Well, the Russian government has now used their kind of World Cup to basically do all sorts of extremely unpopular reforms in the background of the fact that any kind of protesting was prohibited, that internal situation is getting worse as is their economy. And Trump, well, as we can see, he sort of failed in his attempts to kind of uh, dismember the accusations of uh, collusion with the Russian government. His rating has fallen by 7% lately, at least that's what the news tell me. But yeah, for us, the common people, like my listeners here, and you know, I hope some of you are also podcasters, which which will kind of bring this message further on, is that, well, we can just live and see, I suppose, because I still hold firm to my belief that Russia will implode on itself at one moment. That's inevitable in my eyes. The, all the facts and arguments aren't there for it. Uh, secondly... Secondly, America, well, well, you have a president who's kind of more um, more occupied with his own private things than, than doing things out. But hey, like I said, you can't really figure him out. Like, I've been asked a question directly on Facebook. By the way, go check us out on Facebook slash Eastern Border or, or on Twitter at Eastern underscore Border or just write us an email at theeasternborder at gmail.com or something. Yeah, please contact us, because we, we like debates, we like discussions, and we're, we're not into one side or another. We're all about, you know, stability and stuff. And we also stream sometimes at uh, twitch, twitch.tv slash theeasternborder.tv. 
uh, my people on Facebook, those who follow me, comrades there, they already know that, uh, but yeah, we, we stream there. When I do my research, when I listen to all these audio stuffs, I like to play some games, and I stream that there. So that's gonna be really nice. Also, I have to give a shout out to Sabela Siders here. Uh, Sabela Siders is a company which is run by by a friend of by a mother of friend of mine, and uh, she's now kind of trying to actively find a way how to expand the business. So hey, if you're a store owner and want to buy some Latvian cider, please let us know. Please let us know, and and we'll we'll make sure you're you're getting contact. Okay, advertisement segment gone. <laughs> Sorry, have to do them by myself by now, so that's kind of important. But um, in general, what we have to do is we have to wait and we have to learn. And uh, like many people who comment on this whole situation, state it's not about what was said or what wasn't said. It's not about the words. It's about what's going to happen. Whether or not this deal of weapons kind of containment shall be extended. Whether or not, uh, like, Putin actually might get gone soon due to all these assets being kind of liquidized and there's a chance that, you know, uh, pensions will be gone in Russia in general. Or, you know, you, you can look at the future of NATO, but I don't think that'll fall apart either. I think I think we're just going to stick around and maybe some, some countries will start paying more money in this. What needs to be analyzed, however, is this this whole kind of weird thing about how two people can meet and how important that can get and I have gotten like a lot of responses and questions about me doing this episode even though I'd like to do more history because I finally want to get to World War II and yeah that might be a surprise but I've been doing these talent series just to do World War II and do it properly and even though some of you might have grown tired of them this whole background is very very necessary because it, it, it's just super important the whole study but um but yeah, this thing kind of reminds me again, uh, and this comes from um, news that I heard today from Echo Moskvi, again, Alexander Benediktov. You know, Putin, uh, after the meeting with Trump and everything, he called the General Assembly of Ambassadors to everywhere. And he just jokingly stated that, hey, why is our uh, our representative in the United Nations called Nibinza? Our message is positive, he stated, according to newspaper Commerçant, which was then read to me in, a ho- in the, the kind of Echo Moskvi by Benediktov. Uh, Commerçant states that uh, he jokingly stated that, hey, Nibenzov should change his name to just Benzov, just so, uh, you know, our message is positive, so that everything could get po- more positive that way, and Russia would be perceived more positively. And that seems funny, because... Uh, because there has been a precedent on this. See, in October 1942, there was a Russian colonel, uh, which then turned into a hero of the Soviet Union and a general marshal, whatever. His name was Zhidov. You know, Zhids uh, is and Zhid is how we you know call the Jews here in these parts. His surname was Zhidov. And you know, in autumn 1942. And this is in, from his officially published memoirs, and this, trust me, ties into this Nibenzov idea. In uh, autumn 1942, he goes to the port Rokossovsky about his positions and what's going to go on with the war. And Rokossovsky states that uh, it's all fine and awesome, and Stalin personally has stated that your army has done very well, but there's a message from the great leader. And he says, well, there's something wrong with your surname. I kind of don't like it. You should think about changing it. 
And then Zhidov writes in his memoirs, and again, you know, Zhidov writes in his memoirs that, hey, well, in normal cases, you know, by that point I was like 40 years old and I had like lived all of my life with, with this surname and, you know, changing it seems kind of weird, but hey, if the Supreme Commander says so, then I will do so. So then he just calls up his uh, direct superiors because he's, he's just in command of a single army by that point. He's just, you know, uh, a general at this stage. And he calls up them, and one of them just responds, "Well, why don't you? Why don't you basically, you know, just keep the basic meaning of, of the word, and you know, just shift from Zhidov to Zhadov." And and he complied. So now we have this kid of the Soviet Union and the general marshal called Zhadov, and this is again autumn 1942, because uh, because Stalin didn't like to have a general called Zhidov in his army, who at that point were fighting Nazi Germany. Says a lot, doesn't it? And now we have reports from this commerçant that um, that Putin has been just stating to to his uh, United Nations representative to be not Nyebenzov, but just Benzov, because Nye part means kind of negation or something. So we shall see. We shall see if Mister Nyebenzov actually does change his surname to Benzov. Because it seems that Russia is going into their Stalinist phase again. Especially with... And I haven't checked these out because they just literally came in like 10 minutes ago. These whole new news about Russia doing something with Armenia. Where we could see some action, sadly. But, um... But yeah. We're, we're talking about a country where I... Um, and I'm going to be frank here. A random businessman who got elected himself the president. And who still has all the cunning... Of the entrepreneur, and you might like, you know, yell at Trump's incompetencies or or whatever tr- fault Trump has. You have to admit, even if you accept everything else is true, that he's, you know, at the very least, he's a successful con man. He's like P.T. Barnum, I suppose, in a way. That's the least honor that you can give him, and I didn't mean P.T. Barnum in an offensive way. I like the guy. Uh, the problem is that he tried to make a nice deal. He wanted, you know, to slip around, do some little things, like like, like the heroes of the short stories of O. Henry. Putin, in the meantime, he's the supreme leader, in a way, and he's ex-KGB, so he also had his own goals, and obviously he can, he can play whomever he wants, at least on his home turf. And Even though it was Helsinki, which is funny by itself, because, you know, winter war and everything. But Putin... Putin kind of wanted to join in this conversation to get some nice PR going on to calm everyone down. And finally, solve his internal issues as well and make sure that the United States gets off his back just a bit, even if not economically, then at least militarily. And obviously, Putin is very worried about these new changes that George is going to join NATO. So, yeah. Tough luck, Montenegro. I think I think you've been traded away so that Georgia could join. Same about Macedonia joining the EU, because Russia has some huge complaints about that situation. But we will see how this whole thing develops. At the very least, we we have seen Putin and Trump meeting. We haven't seen Russia and America meeting. That I can say for sure. Because there are strategic interests, and then there are tactical interests, and then there are interests of people who might be in positions of power that are just, you know, their own interests. And, uh, hey... Trump supporters out there, I still do believe that Mr. Trump, uh, you know, at least according to what I've heard from Russian media, might be smarter and sneakier than everyone thinks. You know, Hitri, if you listen to my Soviet Jokes episode, that's a compliment. But then again, there's also the chance that, you know, he's just, just, you know, 
acting out of his role, but hey. What happens next is more dependent on Congress and Senate than on Mr. Trump. But, uh, yeah, like, you know, I remember my childhood recently, and, and there was this episode, like, one of the American shows that I watched was Beast Wars, and then there was this episode where Dinobot died, and and I cried at that episode, but, you know, it, it left me with a strong emotional impact, but when Dinobot died in that episode, as at the end he just says, you know, tell my story to all those who would listen, tell the good deeds along with the bad, and let me be judged accordingly. The rest is silence. And I think you should you should look at you should look at Trump at least in the, the point of foreign policy about that, and on Putin as well because their own meeting was between them them two. What's going to happen on the geopolitical scale? Well, let's wait a month. I promise to give you more kind of uh, political feedback on that because oh boy, it looks like it's going to get really interesting. At any rate. I hope that this episode... Because, uh, again, I, I kind of refuse to make uh, strong statements and, and post, like, any definitive conclusions here in this episode because I just don't have any. Everything is just shifting around and I'm here to relay you some information and, you know, things to think about, mostly. But um, if I could, I would give you some hard opinions of my own. Sadly, I can't. I can't provide them. Anyway, I hope that this episode caused you to think a bit. Maybe you were entertained, that that's good too. At any rate, see you next week when I'm finally going back to my history episodes, because two interviews in one political episode is just a bit too much for a history podcast. Well, nominally history, but hey, in our statement we already stated that we're going to look at the politics, so hey. We're still going. So yeah, до свидания, товарищи. And we live in truly interesting times. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The eastern border salutes you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.